Hello, my name is Aviva Silverman, and I will be having a conversation with Dr. T.J. Byron for the New York City Trans Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. It is September 20th, and it is being recorded on Zoom remotely. My name is Dr. T.J. Byron, B-Y-R-O-N, like the poet. Um, do you have any other relationship to the poet? Well, we think so. My dad looked just like him. Wow. And uh, he was quite the, uh, if you know anything about uh, Lord Byron, he was a scoundrel in his day. But he and Shelley and uh, Percy Booth and, uh, oh, you know, all the poets that hung out, they were all crazy together. And uh, he was supposedly, he supposedly swam across the Venice Canal. It's a garbage pit. Yeah. And he had a club foot. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a foot surgeon. Wow. So we kind of, it was like, what? Okay. Yikes. And how did you get into surgery in that realm for feet? Well, when I was about eight or nine, I had a thing called apophysitis in my heels because I was too active. And young kids tend to, where they have a stress point and a, a growth center, uh, they can get pain because they put that stress point uh, under too much activity. So I got in trouble and got in pain. It was crying. My dad took me to the foot doctor and the rest is history. So when I was nine, I said, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. And I, I went through Ohio State in two years and I graduated from high school at 17, it applied to medical school and got in at 19. Wow. <laughs> and and then finished at 23 went into the army and was a commissioned captain which you know that's how did you okay so maybe we'll slow down so that i understand how all these things um came to be so where did you grow up oh columbus ohio in the heart of the midwest at oh. the time because in the 60s, I was born in, I was born in 47, but I always say this body is 76 in October next month, because that was the whoopee date. The whoopee date is when mom and dad decided to have whoopee, and nine months later, I came along. So, but they had a little girl that was stillborn before me mm. and then she got pregnant like six months later so I think I was supposed to be the girl <laughs> I had brothers on two different the bookends I had a, a brother five years older and a brother three years younger so the the two of them didn't never knew each other eight years is too too far and my brother who was five years older he was always trying to ditch me. So I never really knew him until he was an adult. But we grew up in Columbus. And 
when I was a kid, I was on stage as a musician. Wow. I was like uh, like a dog and pony show. We they would roll us out on the stage and we would perform and we we performed in 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 between movies in those days in the fifties. Uh, yeah, they had a big huge RKO Palace theater and we would. It's when I learned a lot about a lot of things. A uh, backstage you have people who are making a living and they're in the union. So I was starting to put my drums on this pallet that he was gonna roll out and be on stage. And, and, and I was starting to do that. And he said, kid, no, you don't touch the drums back here. When you get out there, you can do anything you want, but this is my job right now. <laughs> so I learned real early, like eight, eight years old, which is what any kids you know, that's in show business finds out about all the makeup artists and oh we had costume changes and you know all that stuff wow. so I got interested in medicine when I was real young because I was a patient and I got fixed so I thought oh well this is fabulous and uh what's better than helping somebody walk that can't walk yeah, yeah. I, I always told my patients I said you I'm the triple A of feet. You only call me when you get a flat. <laughs> That's a really good slogan. Yeah, and I, our motto in my practice was limp in, leap out. You got that one. That Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So I, I come up with these little slogans. It, um, I got my master's in education because I wanted to understand how to educate people. And I was teaching medical students and residents in my in my practice for 50 years. I taught residents how to do surgery. And they only learn if if it's spe specific and precise and repetitive. Right. right. So you so, have, so it's you like say, a journeyman. Would you say that? So when you were when you were performing music interstitially between movies was that like your first job were you compensated for that yep oh gosh yeah oh yeah yeah i i bought my first bike we entered a lot of contests we always won <laughs> because we were it was amazing and it was an amazing little little group yeah and uh, we we performed in like ten thousand people at the fair wow yeah. And did you have um, a persona that you performed as, or was there a theme, or what was the? Yeah, it was called the Novel Airs, and uh, the one guy who I still have relation with. I mean, I I call him. I'm now I'm talking to his granddaughter, and in her her role is she's the uh, Ohio State guard, the number one guard on the basketball team. Oh. So I watch her on TV and, you know, I text her and say, hey, great game. But that's, I mean, Donnie Simons, he's right down the street in uh, California. He's a, he's a PhD in harpsichord. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. With the three of us, the, the three boys, and then we had a girl who uh, played saxophone and they, they tap danced. The, the one guy who he played every instrument. When he picked up an instrument, we knew what song we were going to play. Wow. And, and I still have those those lists of songs. 
they were amazed that I still have those. It's been 65 years. Very long time, yeah. And did playing in public shape your young identity? Did you, how did, how did it help inform your identity at that time? Yeah, as you can imagine, being on stage in front of thousands of people and the lights and the makeup and the camera and whatever was going on, we get a lot of notoriety newspaper articles picture you know flat you know pictures were taken in a lot a lot a lot of a lot of places uh newspaper you know like i'm doing now i was it, being interviewed at nine <laughs> to, to tell somebody how i got into playing music i was the drummer wow yeah so my dad and i had to carry all this stuff every time we went out um we had an old uh, 1954 chrysler and mom and dad would get in the car. And I think the brothers at some of the points would get in the car and we'd all go on the road. And, and all these cities, we played in all, all, every place. Wow. And was there, in your family life, was there like a religious background at all or? Yeah, the, the mom and dad were into a congregational kind of place, was um, Methodist at, at the end. Yeah, we had that kind of upbringing. But, but when you go to medical school, you find out from the, and I lived with Jewish guys, and uh, you find out that not everybody thinks the same way that you were kind of led, led to believe. So um, I was asked to speak as a representative of the college kids. There was a high school kid, and a, you know, junior high school kid. And I was asked to speak on, on the college level. And I got up in the po pulpit and I said, guess what? I've been exposed to Judaism. Whoops. <laughs> I thought the pillars were going to crack, you know, and the roof was going to fall in. But um, not everybody thinks like you guys do. And uh, you're trying to shove things down people's throat that they're not going to, they're not going to buy it. So right yeah the 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 music industry is um uh, oh there are a lot of jewish folks in 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 so i started learning yiddish and <laughs> and speaking in in yiddish and, and uh, my mom and dad go what what are you talking about <laughs> you know i was part of the mushpoka i don't know if you know what that means no. so it's the family yeah and so and i still talk to those people i i my my roommate from 1968 is in Toronto, and I called him yesterday. Amazing, yeah. And we probably talked for an hour. So wow. that's the that was the medicine side. So I had a medicine side. Um, uh, when I graduated, I went in the army. I had an army side because I spent 25 years in army. Wow. But, but I was I was five active five five active years and then reserve years. Wow. So I, I retired in 1996 and, from and right over here at uh, the hospital in in uh, in Tacoma. Wow. And what it's led called, you to joining the Army? Well, I was going to go to West Point. You know, I thought I would go to West Point and get my education. But I got accepted to medical school when I was 19, so I didn't have to do that. Yeah. But I wanted to go in the Army. And of course, the army wanted me when I was, oh, in that age group, 
to go to Vietnam, they wanted me to shoot a rifle. And I said, well, just give me a, another couple of years and I'll, I'll come back as a doctor. I'll, I'll, I'll be good. It'll be good. You'll, you'll appreciate having me. Oh yeah, sure. Everybody says that, you know? And I said, no, I really am. I I'm serious. So I got my commission at, uh, 23. Wow. What year was that? 71. Okay. And when you say you were active for five years, what, what were you doing in that? 71 to 76. I was, uh, with the infantry as their foot surgeon, the -hmm. only one. Wow. In orthopedics. I was in orthopedics. And were you abroad or where were you living? No, no. I, my specialty never, we went to Okinawa. That was as far as anybody got, but we didn't go what we call in country. We didn't, we didn't go into and step on the Viet, Vietnamese land, but nowadays they do. Mm-hmm. They, they go on ships and they get off with the Marines. I was with the Marines. I was with the Navy part-time, you know, if they, if they wanted me for my services and I was always in orthopedics. So I, I did all kinds, you know, back, we did hands, shoulders, elbows, whatever. I saw a lot of war, war wounds, wow. 25 years. Yeah. And how did that, how did that shape your young life to be both in the army seeing wounds? Well, it was, it was like three different people. Yeah. You know, I got dressed up on the weekends and walked around. This was in the sixties. I was out walking around as a, what we called cross dressers in those days. And now it's uh, gender non-binary. Yeah, and gender non-conforming. Yeah. So um, when you switched between those different um, states, did you have nerves? Or were you nervous about being caught or being seen? Or how did oh, you? Yeah. yeah. Tremendous stress because, oh, in those days you could be jailed. You know, I could be put in jail and my reputation would be shot. And the, the wife didn't know at the time. Um, this wife, this wife knows the number two wife, but, and actually we have a business where we, we actually teach the artistry of this. She's a makeup artist trained in, in California at the Westmore Institute. Wow. And this is your, your current wife you're talking about? Yeah, right. Wow. The first wife was a nurse. She didn't know that I, she was pretty, pretty, pretty good size. She and I were about the same size. So it was real easy. And she worked nights so I could get dressed up and go out. And when you got dressed up, where would you go? What were some of the places that you would go? Just walk around and, you know, local stuff. I didn't do any bars or anything like that. I just mm-hmm. walked around, maybe got the mail or, you know, went to get gas. It's the typical things that uh, people that do what I do, that's what they, that, that's how they start. And where were you living at that time? Uh, Cleveland. In Cleveland. Okay. And did you have other friends at that time that were also trans or? Nobody. I didn't know anybody. Yeah. And I think that's the problem with this, that in, in the, these, these days we get together. Um, Thursday night, we have a social group down in Tacoma and everybody meets and we, and then we have another group that's a lunch. So we, we have different and then, oh, the 1st of October, I'm going up to a place called Squim, 
in uh, the Straits of Juan de Fuca up, up, up north. Um, and I'm gonna be going to a big function. I have, I've never been, I think it's called the Emerald City Club or something. It's a big, big event. Wow. And so when you were dressing up and exploring your identity, did you feel very isolated in that there was no one else that could relate to you? Did you have an idea that there might be other people? What was your sense at that time? No, everybody thinks they're diseased. They are pathological. And there's a tremendous amount of guilt uh, associated with that. You think you're the only one on the world in the world that, that does this. And uh, every time you bought an item, you felt guilty, you know, because mm -hmm. you had to get clothes that yeah. would be appropriate with the day. Yeah. Uh, and were the there style. any kind of stars or people in the media that you were emulating or people that you looked up to that you felt you just kind of were self-guided in your exploration of, of how to get dressed and how you yeah. want to yeah, I mean, all of us watch a sister or a brother, I mean, a, a mother, mostly the moms, you know, you would sneak in and get, you know, the girdle on and the stockings. And I grew out, unfortunately, I grew out of my mom's four and a half, five size pumps, uh, probably a 10, you know, when I got to be a six and uh, she was a five or four and a half. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't have very much uh, in the way of uh, foot gear to, to judge by. But I had to buy, I would go to Goodwill. Yeah. Uh, and if I bought stockings, it would be like going, and use, in those days, it, it was on every corner. Wow. The, the, the stocking store was, was a main draw. And uh, today, you know, no big deal. Um, Starbucks is on the corner now. But... Uh, do you feel a sense of loss around not having a community at that time or a connection to, you know, your, your exploration and gender and, and understanding yourself? Because now, you know, there's social media and there's so many ways to connect with people. Definitely. And we're not stigmatized as much now. Um, there, are, there are shows on TV, for, for instance, Pose is all transgender actors. And there's almost a gay couple or gay influence in almost every sitcom that's on television. Definitely. And uh, and just, you know, it started creeping in and I started saying, oh, gee, well, I, I guess I'm maybe not the only one, but let's see, when did I meet my first person? No, I mean, I went to um, a therapist because, you know, my wife and I, when she found out and she came home and found me getting dressed one day when she wasn't supposed to come home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's how that happened. And so she was very upset. And she always she's always said, well, I lost my husband that day because now I see that you're somebody else part time because mm -hmm. I don't live like this full time. Um, a lot of the people do, but even, I don't. Even today, you, you're saying you switch between different styles of dress. Yeah, yeah we call it vanilla or drab. Mm -hmm. And we, I'm, I'm, I'm a grandpa. I'm 
you know, a, a, a father. My three kids know, but they're the 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 son-in-laws aren't real happy about. It. But the one guy said, "Hey, you do you, yeah. whatever." And I was surprised when we when we exposed them to this, they were a little bit um, accepting. So, but they don't want to hear about it. Yeah. Do you, what pronouns do you ask people to use you since you switch between different? Well, my wife will slip up and call me Tim, but you know, if we have, like we have guests here at the house for dinner who are husband and wife, but they're both, you know, both the, the wife is dressed as a woman and my friend, Terry is Keith, you know, to, to her. So everybody has, you know, their Keith and then there's, it's Terry. So mm -hmm. Terry and Cindy come and sit at the table and we all, and we go to their house and, you know, um, mm -hmm. we, we have other friends who are totally trans mm -hmm. have one friend that we're going to, uh, overnight, uh, up at this place called Squim. Um, next, uh, the 1st of October. And she's she was trans back in the 70s, which is extremely rare. And she got beat up, I mean, big time, yeah. you know, for that. And she was, she was Catholic. So there's a lot of guilt. You, you think the Jewish people have guilt. You know, they talk about Jewish guilt. The Catholics have more guilt. Mm -hmm. And the Catholics beat themselves up and beat up people for being strange and not uh, conforming. Right. So I, I, uh, I'm always sympathetic to everybody. You get more sympathetic because you're, you have to ask for some sympathy. Mm. So you're, you're more sympathetic to others. Right. And at what period of your life did you um, live in New York? Oh, I my wife lived in New York. I, I never did. Oh, okay. Uh, she was in White Plains. Okay. And they were in the city for a while. Her husband at that time had, you know, jobs with, with New York firms. But, okay. and, and she's Black. Mm -hmm. My wife is Black. Your first wife or your second wife? No, second wife. Okay. And where yeah. did you meet? Well, she came in to the office in Irvine, California. I had three offices and she had a bunion. And I said, yeah, that'd be real easy. We can fix that. No problem. Let's get you scheduled. That was in 1979. Mm -hmm. Well, in of all the women that I've met in my life, I didn't want to date any of them except this woman. I said, well, if you ever, I didn't tell her but at, at the time, but I said to myself, if she ever becomes available, I'm going to, I'm going to strike. <laughs> so it just so happened that she was breaking up and I was breaking up at the same time in 1981. And so we got together in 82 and have been together ever since. Wow. And, and then you had three children? Well, I have two with my ex-wife, and she has the boy from her ex, so they were raised together. I think they were five, six, and ten. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they came up. They came up together. They were they were our uh, 
like people at our wedding, you know, the ring boy and the, oh. the flower girl and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. And have you, um, have any of your children been more interested in your identity formation or the ways that you relate to? No. They don't want to hear anything about it. Yeah. But, um, you know, like I said, I had so many personas. Uh, I had the musician thing and then the, the army thing. And I was big in athletics. I was playing every sport. And that's a common thread in people who do this. We try to get macho jobs or hobbies. We get into, you know, I'm an auto mechanic or, you know, but a lot of, a lot of ladies are auto mechanics <laughs> today. They weren't in the 50s. But uh, Rosie the Riveter, you know, that kind of attitude. But yeah, there's, uh, there's every profession coming and going. I've, I have counseled people on, 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 on the phone, you know, by text. Um, in other states, well, around the and countries, other countries. And they're anesthesiologists and OBGYNs and plastic surgeons and Oh gee, I've 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 been amazed at mm. the amount of the higher educated folks. It's not a disease, so we're all told you're and and you know pray away gay that whole yeah. conversion therapy. Well, that would kind of go toward this too. They want to get you. You you we'll talk you out of that. You 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 won't be like that when we get done with you. Yeah, you kind of will. Yeah. And how do, you, how do you see yourself now in this moment of trans visibility where obviously so much has shifted since the time that you, you've grown up? Freedom, in a word. Mm. I mean, I go out, I, can, I used to go out every week. Um, I'm a little more disabled now at 76. I have six screws in my back. I get neck surgery. I've got, I've had eye surgery, no surgery. I've had surgery up and down the body. So I'm kind of, you know, stumbling and bumbling, but um, I still walk in heels, always have. Mm -hmm. And and people say, what? I can't believe, you. what? No, you're not, a, what? Yes, it's, it's really, it's really me, yeah. <laughs> but you know if you've been doing it your whole life 60 years it, yeah. it's no big deal so are, yeah the 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 affect of of this has bled over if you will to other areas of my life i probably was a little bit more compassionate with my patients just because of of you know may, and I, I, I saw a lot of gay people in, uh, in Laguna, where I practice in Laguna uh, area, uh, in California and uh, Orange County. And uh, I, they were fabulous patients, just super fabulous. What made them fabulous? They were so pedantic and they, they wanted to heal. Uh, you didn't see gay people in, in bread lines for, <laughs> you didn't see them in the, the welfare line. You, you didn't, you know, they were, they were go-getters. They were energetic. They were creative, super creative. Mm. So my wife, 
being in the businesses that she was in, she was trained as the makeup artist and she was Max Factors representative all over Southern California. Um, she was Westmore trained. Like I said, the, the Westmores of Hollywood are, you walk into their office and all you see is Oscars lined up wow. because it goes back to grandpa and the son and, and, and the fellow that we knew from the Westmores, Marvin, he just died last year. And, and I saw it on, on television. I saw it on the Oscars where they have the memoriam. I said, oh, my God, I didn't know Marvin died. I, I yelled at Vernita. I said, come in here. Marvin died. Oh, my God. We didn't. We she the, the his wife was in MASH for 10 years. And we, you know, we kind of we had a lot of directors and producers and casting directors and all those kind of creative people. And they were a lot of gay people in that industry because that's where they could work and be comfortable. You know, they, I mean, there's gay people, there's gay lawyers, there's, you know, gay doctors, gay, and you don't really put on as much of a persona sometimes to, to kind of hide the fact that, you know, you're not the traditional. Now you can, I mean, look at Anderson Cooper, boom. Uh, look at, you know, our, uh, Andy Cohen. I mean, everybody's, you know, my husband, they say my husband, my husband and I have two little babies. Oh, well, no, nobody thinks anything of it. But in the 50s and 60s, oh, my God, you wouldn't have you would never have said that. So freedom. Oh, my God, you can be who you want to be. Um, we got a flag you can wave. You got parades you can be. in. <laughs> so that means there's hundreds of thousands of millions of you, period, out there. Right. Right. And do you feel, um, or I, I keep hearing you say um, gay people, I was wondering how you identify in your sexuality, how you would speak of it. Yeah, I'm not <clears throat> um, homosexual. Um, I'm, I'm not bisexual, I don't think. I mean, I've never had a opportunity to be with them. And if I was going to be with a man, I would be like this. Mm -hmm. And they say that, and I have one acquaintance that does uh, some little risque uh, activity. And so I'm not sure what that's all about. I'm going to maybe try to find out a little bit more. But um, yeah, everybody kind of hides their sexual uh, proclivities, I think. But a lot of the wives come to activities with us. So when you say everyone hides, do you mean in the groups that you meet up with or or, or your friends and your close circles? Well, well the, the people when I when we get together, we're open right. and, and and exposing ourselves. But in their professions, I'm sure they're not exposing anything right I, they're hiding that and so know. most people you meet up with yeah are not out as trans or are not um dressing in their full array in some are there yeah we have like if we have 15 people at lunch somebody's had top surgery they're not going to have bottom surgery reassignment uh i'm not having any <laughs> and and we, no 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 well I can't say I haven't thought about it because sure you get into that uh, hormonal 
rage and you think, oh, I've got to have breasts. I'm going to, I'm going to go nuts if I, yeah, that there's the stage. Yeah. But, uh, but you can't act on it because that's, you'd have to completely change. I have to tell you, I was at the VA, the Veterans Affairs Hospitals. Mm -hmm. I started in 1984 at Long Beach. I was the first guy in my specialty there. Uh, and, uh, I started seeing people who were transitioning, who were working in the VA, but the VA paid for uh, reassignment surgery. They did it. Yeah, yeah, most people don't know that. If 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 the if the uh, Republican community knew that they were paying for uh, reassignment surgery in the Department of Defense and the and the VA, why they'd probably go crazy. There was a there was a spy who who transitioned in jail. I don't know if you remember. And he, he she he came out a she. I don't know what she's doing now, but she she's Oh, do you she mean was, are you talking about Chelsea Manning? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yeah, there's an example of somebody who was an army, I don't know, uh, she was like an E3 or something. And, and a clerk and uh, did something that she wasn't supposed to in a espionage way. And uh, so she went into jail and came out a, a female. Yeah, she medically transitioned. And yeah. um, so when you say that you don't appear or want to present as, um, as, as, as a woman in your professional life, is it out of fear or what is the main impetus for you not to want to present in 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 your how you look now, um, yeah, professionally. I I don't perform now. I don't go to work. I retired in two thousand eighteen. Got you, yeah. Yeah, and I uh, all my friends in this neighborhood just know me as Tim, mm -hmm. but but we have friends, my wife and I, that we come have come in uh, that are either fully trans or um, non-binary. Right. Yeah. Um, and when you and your wife um, help do people's makeup or get them dressed up, what kind of people are you attracting? Are they around your age or how do they find you? I just, how does it, how does it work? Well, I have cards and I'll hand them to people at these little gatherings or big gatherings. And we have had ads in, um, oh, there's a Emerald City Club in Seattle. Uh, it's too far. You know, we live on the other side of the water, so it's too far to go to uh, anything that has to do with Emerald City. But they all know. And when we get together for lunch and uh, somebody looks so bad <laughs> that they're kind of embarrassing the rest of the group, like a short skirt or a hair, you know, it's all crazy. It doesn't make sense. And they'll say to me, she, she needs your help. And they'll tell her to talk to me. So after the lunch, we'll get together. So it's just word of mouth right now. I have a couple coming up from uh, way down South in, or in almost close to the Oregon border. And they they came up to, to visit somebody else and they stopped by to see us and she, she was Tanya 
-hmm. His name is Tim. And her name is Judy, the wife. And she has multiple sclerosis so bad that she's in an electric wheelchair. So I, being a doctor, I've been with multiple sclerosis patients as patients. And uh, so we had them come over and we sat out back and just had a great time. Uh, two hours, talked. Matter of fact, Tanya said, these earrings are killing me. You've got pierced ears. I'm going to get mine pierced. I said, yeah. And they're sitting on the cabinet over here. I'm going to take them to her Thursday night. Uh, we see each other the last Thursday of the month. Mm -hmm. So Tanya uh, just came in and she's out um, with her wife. She's driving and they're going up to see somebody else, but she's going to change clothes before she gets to the people they're going to go see. And I said, do you want to change here? She said, no, because she doesn't want me to see Tim. Oh, okay. <laughs> she wants, She said, oh, just fine. I'll just change. Something. We get to be quick change artists. You need, I don't know if you know this about us. We have what we call the vanilla bag. Tell me what. You don't leave, you don't leave home without a vanilla bag because there might be a, a phone call Quick, you got to come. Uh, your dog's on the driveway, and I think she's dead. Oh, okay. I'll be there right away. I'm I'm totally decked out, mm -hmm. and I had to pull over in a parking lot where there was nobody and take as much off as I could not to expose who I was going to become. And then I put my Army sweat clothes over, and I, had, of course, had to take my bra off and you know, breast forms, and then um, have a shoe that wasn't going to show my stockings and, you know, all that. So, yeah, you have to have that bag uh, with, with nail polish remover and makeup, you know, little pads in a, in a pullout. Yeah, you got to be prepared for anything. Wow, it sounds like a big bag. <laughs> uh, it's a garbage bag. Yeah. Now that is where most guys keep their stuff when they're hiding in a garbage bag. Mm. How absurd. Mm -hmm. um, and you hide this thing way up. Some, so nobody else can get to it. And you, you put it where, you know, it can't be found by anybody. And every now and then you purge. You just say, I've had it. I'm done. I've got to throw all this stuff away. Everybody purges. Everybody. Mm. There isn't one thing we have in common that's more common than purging. And what does that feel like when you purge? Terrible. <laughs> I'm going to quit. I've got to stop. I'm going to throw this away. I can't do this anymore. You end up going out and buying the same stuff. <laughs> it's expensive. Yeah. No, I've, I'm, geez, I've, I've had shoes that I wear. I just threw a pair of shoes away the other day that just broke. I mean, I, I look back on Amazon. I bought them in like, I don't know, 92 or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm starting to wear things out. Wow. Yeah. And so, when you, I, I'm just wondering, because you live in so many different worlds, do you feel most seen when you're in groups with other trans and, and people that have multiple identity states that get to bond together? Is that like the most safe place for you to feel your complete self or are there other places where you feel as seen? Yeah, I don't, 
I being having been on stage at eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and just hearing the applause, it's it's you know I was like a child actor, and when you when you're in that environment, you get instant gratification for what what you just did. So I got used to that. Um, athletics kind of do that because you've got a time frame. You're going to be performing this this amount of time, and and you get to either win or lose. But in this activity here, yeah, when you're when you're decked out and you feel fabulous and you go out, you want people to see you. And I I can't tell you how many people, women mostly, but a lot of men. Oh my God. That is a fab. You look amazing. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I get that. And so people really say affirmed by people's reception of you. Yes. Yeah. And they think I'm a, you know, a female. And the people will say, well, which bathroom do you use? I said, sister, you don't want me going in the men's bathroom with this, with what I look like here. No, I always go in the women's bathroom, of course. Yeah. And what do you see when you go into women's bathroom? Stalls. There's nothing to see. You go into a stall, right? Have you had any other safety concerns while you navigate um, your gender in public? Not me, but the guy I go out with, the, the Terry, he's 6'3", six, 6'4", six, I don't know. Huge. And, and we had a customer that wanted to come up from Oregon, size 16 foot. But I think she looks so good. I told her, I said, you know, you look fabulous. I don't know if you, you if you want to come up, you're welcome. Yeah. Um, this is for the, the course. I have a course okay. that I teach that's a syllabus. And my wife does the makeup and color analysis, which most of these people really have not had. <laughs> what does color analysis mean? It's what goes good with your complexion your hair color style and what you're trying what what you're trying to present whether it's a business look or you know whatever and what else is on the syllabus oh gosh it's about eight pages Mm -hmm. everything from nails hair is a big you know you've got to if you're going to do this you've got to and that's what my wife and all almost all the wives when we start when we start shaving everything, they start thinking we're gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're having an affair. Mm-hmm. Now she she found some of my underwear in the bed when she was gone, and then came back for from a trip, and I had left a pair of black underwear in the bed. Well, what would you think mm-hmm. <laughs> if you found black underwear, women's underwear, in your uh, in your the husband's side of your bed, <laughs> you think, uh-oh, he's 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 going out on me. But uh, so. So that's part of your syllabus as well. Uh, yeah, don't don't leave stuff around. Make sure you've cleaned up. If even if you have to have a checklist. Right. So yeah, you want to go. You want to do everything as as complete now okay bruce jenner when he here's a perfect example when he transitioned to caitlin jenner 
when he was talking about going into his mother's drawers, uh, chest of drawers, to get clothes out, he did the same thing I and everybody else does. You have to you have to memorize the way that they're folded, the articles, and how they're placed in the drawer, because you don't want to get your mom angry at somebody in the house for messing up her drawer, you know. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be so pedantic about everything. Right. Wow. Wow. Well, that's um, it's it's really lovely that you get to help guide people in in a way that helps affirm their own sense of identity as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, and they don't know any of this. There are eight pages, and they they might know one thing, mm-hmm. but uh, they learn so much. We have them. We 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 had the catering company in Nashville when we lived in Nashville for ten years, and uh, I was a surgeon at the hospital, and we had a lot of events at our house, but uh, because the wife is so artistic, the makeup the we she sets flower arrangements. She does table settings for you know big banquets and stuff and uh that's that's art and so she's an artist in in that and then she went to culinary arts school and became a chef so so i said you taste with your eyes before your tongue because what it looks like is makes you more hungry for it or say this doesn't Mm -hmm. look good i don't want to eat it Mm-hmm. So, so she's an artist in every way, wow. and fashion, and and wow. And so I'm on the other side. I'm fashionable, fashionably functional. I, you know, I would explain to people, well, if you're going to do that job, you, your your footgear has to be commensurate with the task at hand. You can't wear ballet shoes to fight a fire, but every task has a footgear. If you think about it. Yeah. You would know as a foot doctor. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we, you know, some people can't wear three inch, four inch heels. So, okay. Go to kitten heels, but you know, make it something that you're feeling your oats, you know, feeling good about. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can, you can get about you. If you can't get up and walk to the bathroom, you're not going to do well. So you've got to be functional. Right. Is there any advice you would give to people that are around your age that haven't explored their gender that are curious about it? Is there is there any way that you feel like you've you know learned learned a lot about how to yeah express yourself through this you know your whole life through all these different decades? I say everybody go for it. Enjoy being you and get at it as soon as you can because you don't have that long, you know. My days on this earth are not, they're numbered. And uh, I've i have pretty much done what I wanted to do with my life and more. <laughs> Most people say, what, how did you do all that? Well, I just kept, my name is Tim Persistent Byron. Tim, the persistent is the key. You've got to stay with the, you've got to stay the course. But a lot of people don't want to get out. They don't, they're afraid. So part of the, the course, we, we have them come the one day, stay overnight, and then the next day, uh, we feed them, and 
they bring three articles, uh, three di different outfits from head to toe, and we critique that, and we see them walk and talk and how they hold their hands and everything. And so then um, we take them out. The last day, we take them out to a restaurant. Some of them have never been out mm. in, in public. Oh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Trust me, you're ready. Let's go. Wow. And on even on talking to people just in text, I've coached people out. And they've gotten back to me. Oh, my God, I can't tell you how thankful I am. I remember this one person. And I, I was on this, um, I don't know, it was called... Uh, uh, I was tossed off because they thought I was promoting my business. Mm. Actually, what I was saying uh, was my wife and I have a good relationship. We didn't at the beginning, six, eight, ten years ago. But uh, once once she found out and said, I guess he's going to be doing this for the rest of his life. Why don't we you know, help other people who need help? And she has a tremendous advantage for people. And, and of course I have what I have to do, my dog and pony show. So um, we, we, do, we do have them for two, two, or, two or three days. Wow. And, and at the end, you, we have to go out if you haven't been out. But a lot of people that come say, oh yeah, I've been out for 10, 15, 20 years. Right. But yeah, so the freedom is the main, 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 main thing. Right. Oh my gosh, I have more freedom now than I ever had. Now, the wife said, one, when, when I found out, I stopped being sexually attractive. So I had to give up sexual relations, but that wasn't a big deal at 70, 72, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, if I was 30, it would have been a, a deal breaker. Mm -hmm. But... So a lot of the wives are very skittish about having this person, you know, in bed with them and making gestures of effect, affection when they know that they're in their mind, they're seeing how they were dressed last night, you know. Mm. So it gets, it gets complicated. Yeah. That sounds very complicated. Yeah. But we went to, we went to therapy and for about four four years, I went for five, six, and she was fabulous in, in Nashville. She was Vietnamese, and of course, I was a, a Vietnam veteran, so we had a lot to talk about there. And uh, her father and mother, you know, were caught up in all that in those days. And uh, she was she was fabulous for me, and yeah. made me feel well. Okay, so my wife went to another therapist, and she told him about me, and so he wanted to see me with her. So I went in and sat on the couch, and he he said a couple of questions, and I said my answers, and he got up and got a book off the shelf, and turned to a page where it said that this what I did was pathological. Oh God, okay. I know, and I said. Uh, well, okay, you can think that, but there are too many of us in the world that are productive, and it might be your uh, your obstetrician. You don't know whoever. Uh, but so 
uh, I told my therapist about what he told me, and she said, "Oh, that's terrible. I'm going to speak to him." I said, "No, don't bother. It won't. It won't matter. Yeah. He doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to be convinced. He's not. Yeah. He's not a kid. He's 45, 50 years old. Yeah. So he knows. Yeah. yeah. So there, there are a lot of misguided therapy sessions. I'm sure, like the pray away gay. You know, we had a vice president who who was from Indiana, the governor of Indiana. And he said, you know, these gay people have got to be converted. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, I'm, I'm happy that you were able to just leave and yeah, understand that these, yeah, there's no way to kind of, or it's like an exhaustive effort to try to like talk to people that are transphobic or like trying to enforce kind of violent understandings of gender. Yeah. When this, when this group that I go, we call it GLOW, Girls Out to Lunch, GLOW, and when we we get up and walk around to the uh, to the restroom or you know call for the waiter, so people come up to our table and say, "I just want you to know, you folks look fabulous." That's lovely. I'm so happy. Yeah. that their response. I know because, but there are some people who are. Uh, I want to bring them into my course and teach them, but I don't know. I can't, you know, I have to be real, real careful. Definitely. Hands off. So in, in, in wrapping up a bit, I was wondering if like, if there's one thing that you could be remembered for, what would it be? Uh, Possible. (laughs) Well, I think I've been a good human being that's that's the main thing right uh, i've had when you can take a person who can't walk and make them walk and smile and run that's that's tremendous and i've done that my whole life wow and i saw i i won't even get into all that but uh, there've been articles written about me as a as a foot surgeon in the army my kids are retired Air Force. I have two, a husband and wife, and one retired Navy. <laughs> so the three of us, they did an article on the, the three, four of us, because it's the husband and wife and then the, the son-in-law and me. And we, we, they did a whole big spread on, on, on that. So I've, I've had all these compartments, you know, the music, the the military, the sporting mm-hmm. activities, and I've done some tremendous, tremendous things. I don't. I the only thing I wanted to do I could that I didn't get to was be Ringo in the band that plays, you know, um, like on stage as uh, the Beatle uh, tribute band. Um, but I knew the guys who did that. I knew those guys and I saw them in Vegas and I spent some time with them and they, and they showed up at a couple of our shows, <laughs> the John Lennon guy. And I said, Oh man, if I could play Ringo, I'd, I'd love it, but I didn't have the time. <laughs> um, is there anything you would like to add before we end? Um, just uh, hopefully, you know, this, well, I mean, I don't know how many people you interview, but you should have somebody three times a day, five times a day. 
<laughs> There's enough people out there. Do you want me to pass pass it along to my group or not? Uh, yeah, I would. I would love you to recommend anyone. Um, we can do that through email. But I would. Yeah, I would oh, love okay. recommendations. All right. Yeah, yeah. I've got lots of con contacts. Love lots, lo lots more than I had back in the day. Okay. Yeah, that sounds perfect. I appreciate you so much. Thanks yeah. for what you're doing. Thank you so much. This was just such an enriching experience. I love learning about your whole life. There's so many parts of it that are so interesting. And it'll just be such a, a beautiful addition to our, our archive.